Hey y'all! Welcome to Wander, Forage, and Wildcraft. I'm Abby Artemisia of The Wander School. Each episode, I bring you stories, tips, and tricks from foragers and wildcrafters around the world to empower you on your wild path. Please remember to practice safe foraging by being 100% positive of your identification before consuming anything wild. Happy listening! Come on everyone and gather around Listen to the soothing in this sound I'm here to tell you that medicine Don't come from a pill, it grows in the ground The medicine we need grows all around us Hi, I'm Abby Artemisia and welcome back to Wander, Forage, and Wildcraft. I am so excited to introduce you to my brand new friend, Derek Haynes. Hey, Derek. Hello. And Derek is the crazy botanist, which I super love that name. <laughs> thank you and, so much. <laughs> thank you. And he is Botanical Highlander on Instagram. And that's where I found him. And it was so cool that I found him. The way that I found him was very serendipitous because my friend Mark Williams, a mutual friend of ours, mentioned you and was like, oh, you should totally talk to Derek. And then within a week, somebody sent me one of your live videos. And I was like, what is it about this dude? I must <laughs> really need to know him. So yeah. yeah, and I love that you do Instagram lives all the time because I feel like especially in this time where there's a lot of disconnection, mm -hmm. it's just so nice to feel a connection that way. And I love seeing all of your plants Aww. and it's just so great to watch you. You're funny, you're engaging and Aww. super thank knowledgeable. You. Yeah. So thank, thank you. you for all that you're putting out into the world and making that knowledge accessible to everyone. I really appreciate it. No problem. Um, if we put education out there in the world for all to get then we all can grow and cultivate better connections together in my opinion yes definitely and it's so needed right now so i am so glad to have met you and so grateful that you're here with us today just to remind everyone this podcast is made possible by our supporters at patreon so if you want to help support the podcast and get super cool bonus material, like the bonus interview that we're gonna record after this, which I'm really excited about. We're gonna talk about urban victory gardening. And when I saw Derek talking about this and saw all his plants, I was just like, yes, I need to spread the word about this. It's so amazing because I just don't think there's that many people talking about urban gardening and what you have growing in 
your apartment and on your patio is just like mind blowing <laughs> and inspiring to me. So I want to share that with all y'all. So check it out. Patreon.com slash the wander school. And thanks so much to our supporters. So now you're going to get to know Derek, the crazy botanist. Boop, boop. Yeah. So Derek, you are in Durham. Yes. And you are originally from New Bern, which you were telling me is a little town on the coast of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And you told me that you are an ethnobotanist, which I love that word ethnobotany. So can you tell us what that means for folks who may not have heard that word before? Sure. So ethnobotany is the relationship between people and plants. So there's, there's a relationship that plants have with people and people have with plants. So ethno, because words have meaning, meaning society and people, and the botany is, again, the study of plant life. So it's why we have jack-o'-lanterns and we use pumpkins, but back way back yonder, they used to use uh, turnips. It's why we talk about witches' brooms. There's a botanical reason why we have that imagery up. So it's from that even to the relation of medicinal botany and even to some of the foods that we cultivate and eat. Yes. Oh, it's so good. And I'm so thankful. And um, I, talking to one of my best friends and my co teacher and co founder of the Sassafras School of Appalachian Plant Craft, Becky Beyer, who I talk about a lot and uh, is in one of the beginning episodes of this podcast. I interviewed her and she interviewed me and she talks a lot about this and recently has been really spreading the word about how important it is for us to remember that at least in North America, the majority of what we know about plants and their uses as food and medicine comes from mostly one of two places, from indigenous folks and from black folks, often from slaves. So we really need to, one, remember that, and two, give back in any way that we can. And I saw Derek talking about Black Botanist Week, and I was so excited because, um, one, I didn't even know that was a thing, so I was really excited that it was a thing. And two, I just feel like, as in many other fields, but especially in the sciences, that Black folks just are not very visible. And they need to be because they're some of the most amazing scientists that we have around. And um, yeah, and because again, a lot of what we know comes from the slaves and the de descendants of slaves. A lot of what we know about plants and other things, obviously. So I was really happy to have you on and something um a lot of what you said but something in particular really struck a chord with me in one of your lives which was mm -hmm. about how it was to be a botany student in college 
and be like, were you saying the only black student in your classes? Well, the only black botany student. So I would run into like in my botany 250 class, I remember running into a black student. And I'm like, okay, you know, there's like two of us here. I think you may remember the third one, but she was a um, medicinal biology, you know, trying to be a doctor person. Um, and others were just like any other black people that were there were just not botanists. So I would always feel like the only black botanist in the school. And NC State, North Carolina State, is a gigantic university, it feels. There's just tons of people walking around. But the botany major was so small. Right. And it's because a lot of people just don't truly understand the differences between botany, agronomy, and horticulture. But outside of that, it was so small, so it was often difficult to be able to find, again, those who would relate. And I remember running into a professor, but that's pretty much, you know, the, the end of that relation of Black botany students that I met at that point. Yeah, and I, I was thinking about that because I went to Miami University, which is actually in Ohio. Our botany program was really small too. There were, I think about 40 degree students in botany as compared with 800 in zoology. And uh, a lot of those were going into pre-med, but um, you know, it was a really small program as well. And I was trying to think back and I was like, I don't remember a single black person in any of those classes. And just thinking about like, how uncomfortable I often was because it was a pretty privileged university, like they call mm -hmm. it a public ivy. And so almost everyone I went to school with was white in their 20s, came from families with a lot of money. And mm. being a person in their 30s, a single mom who did not come from money, was like super uncomfortable to me. But most of those people couldn't tell those things by just looking at me. And so to be the only black person in a room for many of your classes, I just, you know, imagine that would be really hard. It can be, it can be, it can be because it's, it's not like, you know, there were people pointing out and saying, look, he's the only one. <laughs> but when you walk into a room by default, I think it's part of human nature, you look for somebody who relates to you on, on some schema, some, some basis of that word relate. Yes. You're looking for someone who you can, again, find some type of relation to. So whether it's other males, other females, other people who may match your gender or gender identity, or again, your race and, and ethnicity. It was just difficult to try to find anyone across my classes who were, again, botanists. I would find other cool black people, and I made some cool friends of all races, but it's something about, again, finding people who look like you. And when you're in a space where you don't see anybody that looks like you, that's when you start to understand like, oh my God, this is kind of like intimidating, you know? Yeah, I do. And that's hard, but um, yeah, I just really want to showcase 
black botanists and black herbalists and black folks working with plants. I just think that it's so important. And um, I love the idea that you were talking about on your Instagram live about creating a conference for black botanists. That's so cool. It is, it is something else. And to be honest, that idea. So whenever I do these lives and I've tried to do more lives this month because uh, the 11th was my birthday here in July. So I did more lives cause I was like, Hey, you know, I really want to talk to people. And again, black bot this week popped up. This is the first year that I've ever seen it. I think this is its first year ever being created. So once I, it got shared through the social media webs and came to me, I was like, this is it. But there has to be a, um, an awareness that, again, there's a lot of us black botanists who are scattered across these United States and really the world. Mm-hmm. And a conference of our, our mindedness can help us come together in more ways than previous conferences can. There are tons of conferences, I'm sure, for botanists and other scientists to come together, but oftentimes we're priced out or again, we don't want to just be the only one in the room, you know, the two yeah. at the end of the party. So I know on my end, and I can't speak for all black people, but I know on my end, it's like if I'm going to be the only black person there, I don't want to have to run into some people who may want to ask me, you know, the questions that certain white people are prone to ask black people when they feel like they're in a safe space for themselves. So a, a black conference for those black botany people would be able to address issues that we intrinsically face that are different than our white counterparts. And some of these issues would be those that would be related to those who are of the Hispanic or Latinx communities or those who are of the Asian populations. But there are certain traumas and certain histories that we as black people especially have with America and plant life that I think would lead to very interesting conversations, connections, and communications. Yes. Yeah. I, I really love that idea and I would love to see it happen and I'm spreading the word here, but if there's any other way I can help spread the word, please let me know. I shall. Yeah. And so getting back to ethnobotany, one thing that the main thing I think that we're going to talk about today that again, I'm really excited about and love the way that Derek worded it to me was the plants impact on black people and black people's impact on the plants. And you were talking about this and you, talk about it a fair amount, I think, from what I've mm-hmm. seen. Um, and so I would love to just offer my listeners some more education about that. So I know there's way, way more than we can even begin to cover today. Yes. But if you want to pick out a few of your favorite pieces to focus on, just go ahead. <laughs> I want to hear. I think the and so that that uh, statement is a paraphrase of Michael Pollan's book, The Botany of Desire. And I didn't read the book 
but I did watch the documentary. And one thing that stood out to me from that was, you know, it mentioning plants impact on us and our impact on plants. And that shifted how I viewed ethnobotany because I always would think about us using, us humans using plants for a medicinal reason or a war reason or food reason or, or any other reason. But I would never think about the benefit the plants would get. So all of that's gonna come back through in a second. So it's a vine that vines through history and these vines touch on certain genre of plants. They touch on certain species of plants. So when we think about those people in Africa, these people pre-American slave trade, we think about people who were using grains and watermelon and other medicinal plants, other edible plants in order to better their lives. We didn't think about the colonists coming over to America, their interactions with the Native Americans, those indigenous people, and them trying to work this land, which <clears throat> was a different climate and a different biome than what they were used to from their European ways, right? So then we, we jump to cotton and the upbringing of money because basically cotton as king started or pushed the slave trade into high gear. Because without the shipping of slaves, 11 and a half million bodies displaced from Africa and spread out like dice, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have any of the, the American wealth or the generational wealth that some white people feed off of today. Yeah. We also think about the Gullah people who are coastal African-Americans, those descendants of slaves who basically blended up European culture along with West African culture and anything they may have picked up from the Native Americans or the um, Latino populations they may have met. And those people were integral into the South Carolina rice plantations. So rice is now touching this vine. Again, it's going through history that is touching black people, that is a part of our, our heritage and our culture, the, this wealth that we built and we frankly produced off of produce. We created off of cotton. So that in itself is an impact, again, that shifted my personal family history, my personal family tree based off of that and the impact on racism and these scientific biases and religious biases that were founded to reasonalize or rationalize the reason why these black bodies had to be used to pick this cotton, to deal with this cotton. And then we think of the invention of the cotton gin and that made everything so much more easier. And again, more slaves, everybody's being bred, you know, like animals. So we as black people were shipped to to harvest this plant and to work on this plant in the same way that outside of cotton outside of rice outside of these other things that we were forced to harvest we as humans harvest and care for our own house plants we we work and slave to keep up your pothis or your corn plant or your ficus, right? Because, oh, I want my house to be beautiful. Or you go outside and you prune your tomatoes in 100 degree weather because you imagine that 
beautiful tomato sandwich you're going to get afterwards with a little bit of salt mm. on that raw on that raw sandwich. So jumping back into again the a very abridged history of Black people and the plant life infecting us in America, we then jump to peanuts because of course you can't talk about Black people and plants without mentioning George Washington Carver. Right. And George Washington Carver, we call him the peanut man, but he was so much more because as a proponent of Victory Gardens, as a proponent of the cooperative extension, you know, in his time was a Jessup wagon he took it around and him even being a proponent of organic gardening. Him saying, hey, let's not use these inorganic things. Go out to your forests and get some hummus from the forest floors and compost and make your own stuff. And granted, there's a problem with getting stuff from the forest floor, but still, he a, a way back yonder proponent of organic farming and rotating your crops and mycorrhizal relationships and, hey, let's change these plants up to get rid of the boll weevil, which is why he mentioned the peanut and all the uses for it. And even him himself, not just cultivating different plants, but cultivating different apprentices who would go on to do various botanical things like Percy Julian. There is so much that again, impacts us and affects us. There's so much that, that touches us as black people. So when I think of the impact of plants and black people, it's often astonishing to me in these last four or so years that I've been learning more about the true botanical impact black people have had because it's oftentimes where I will learn about Mendel and his peas, and I'll learn about other famous white botanists and mycologists, but the black people are left behind in dust. And that happens in a lot of fields. You will listen to black compo white composers, rather, but we won't think about any of the black ones mm -hmm. or any of the Hispanic ones. So that's again where I feel tasked with informing the world that for black culture, we have to be grateful that there was a slave who found a way to pollinate vanilla bean with a little jester and a flip blade of grass because you wouldn't have any vanilla flavored anything if it wasn't for him. Yep. A 12 year old slave figuring it out. Wow. You wouldn't have a lot of the crops that you have without the advent of crop rotation and the other impacts that George Washington Carver had. You wouldn't have a lot of these grains and these other um, plant items that you enjoy if it wasn't for slaves, women braiding these seeds in their hair, because how else did the seeds make it over here from Africa? Yes. So. We, we have to experience that and we have to be grateful for that because in that gratefulness, we have to acknowledge and realize that there were a lot of black bodies, again, who were lost to the sea because they were rebellious, quote unquote, or being obstinate or belligerent. They were fighting, trying to get free as they seen their home that they would never see again, floating off in the distance. They, if they got sick, they were pushed overboard and people were cramped like sardines at the bottom of the ship. But after that horrendous experience, America's white folks got to be again, 
profitable, have wealth, have, you know, something off of nothing. And a third part, the plants had the ability to say, we're going to be taken care of, which is not that the plants profited off of slavery per se, but the plants profit off of people making use of them. So rice becomes something that's grown in an area it probably wouldn't have been grown in on any regular stint because slaves were able to put it in and take care of it. And areas were able to be used to create these rice plantations, some of which are still, you know, growing rice today. So that is that vine. And again, that vine is long and its tendrils reach out throughout various points of history where black folks were involved in some sort of way, some shape or form with plants in some way. I think it's just up to all of us to try to scour the internet and scholarly, blah, scour the internet and scholarly articles and books and anything else we can feel. Talk to your grandmothers and your, your church deacons who are black and figure out what medicinal plants they know and keep that information and treasure it because it's definitely priceless. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I super appreciate you talking about that. I've been reading a little bit about the history of cotton and that that was a big reason why slaves were brought here because they already knew how to raise the cotton. And so it was actually that they were brought here for their knowledge. I just want to invite people to start thinking that way and start thinking about, like you said, would we even have rice here if it weren't for those slaves? And so for those of us who work with herbs on a daily basis, and those of us especially who teach about herbs, I just really want to invite you to when you're passing on that knowledge to think about where it's coming from to pass on who it's coming from and like my friend Becky says how can we give back you know so um that's a big thing to give back yeah you and I say this to people lately in this climate especially there has been Again, a history that has existed where black ideals will be had, black knowledge will be utilized, and black hands are left empty. Yes. If you find yourself, and people have done it to me, I can actually say with certainty, people have said, thank you for the knowledge of all races, and they have put something in my Venmo or my cash app. I put my stuff out there. If you're so moved, do it. If not, you know, that's up to you. You hold it on to you. But it is so important to be able to, again, appreciate people financially for their contributions in your life. Because again, as you just said, it's, it's needed. Yeah, it really is. So yeah, we have the power to give back even, you know, and there's lots of different ways to give back. Um, and I think the very simplest is just giving credit where credit is due. And Thanks. then for the rest of us, um, or the rest of people who are able, it is a really difficult time, I know, financially for a lot of people, but 
if you're able, you know, support financially, whoever you can. If you're grateful for Derek's knowledge right now, what's your Venmo and Cash App? If you are grateful for me and you are wanting to bless my account and make them counts make noises, what you do is on Venmo, H-A-Y-N-E-S-9-0. And Cash App is that, H-A-Y-N-E-S, N is in Nancy, 9-0, Haynes 90. And it's just a dollar sign in front of the Cash App. So if you want to hit me up and you want to bless me, fantastic. And I do get times are hard. So the things you, you also do is amplify black voices. You can share a black account on yes. your page, on your profiles. You can share the information. You can watch their YouTube. Some people are monetized. You watch their YouTube, that throw some money in their account. Definitely. You share their information like somebody did to, that got this conversation started. Somebody shared my stuff. Mm -hmm. Two people told you about me and then boom. Yep. Here we are today. And that's, that's a, a way to put a, a speaker, if you will, to put a megaphone in front of my own voice and say, hey, here it is. Like some people have the power, some of you have the power to use your whiteness in a, let's see, what's the word I'm looking for? Productive or projected way to help out black voices who may be sitting in the gutter. And they're fantastic voices. They're beautiful voices. They have great information, but they're just not getting the platform. Yes, for sure. And I'll put those links to your Venmo and Cash App in the blog that I write about this podcast. Okay. So if you're listening to the podcast and you didn't go to the Wander School first, you can go to thewanderschool.com and there will be an article about this blog with Derek and giving his bio and a recipe that I'm super psyched about for ginger beer, making your own ginger beer non-alcoholic. Yeah, great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk to you about that. And I found out that Derek loves to make herbal sodas I so do I really want to talk to you about that but I want to make sure and again like I know that was just like a tiny little tidbit so I really want to encourage you to uh, find Derek on social media botanical.highlander on Instagram and I will put that in the notes in the blog as well but um, go to his Instagram, follow him, learn so much from you because you're always like every day. I'm just blown <laughs> away. I'm like, you put out another video. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I again, I try to do posts and stuff multiple times a week, but Black Botanist Week it was a daily thing, and I really want all of you to look into that Black Botanist Week because. It was fantastic and phenomenal. It's on Twitter and Instagram is the main places I've seen it. But um, it was phenomenal. And again, I did those posts in relation to the daily posts of Black Botanist Week. And videos are just sometimes an easier way for you to hear me and you to see me, frankly, geek out over plants. Yes. And for people to see the beautiful plants that you're growing. Oh, yes. My patio's like Jumanji, folks. I want you to know that. <laughs> I need to do an update because I still, 
I have other stuff growing and dying and I need to think about fall planting now and I bought more herbs. I have a problem with plants. I just keep <laughs> buying them and I don't think about how much space I have. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yes. So can people just look up the hashtag Black Botanist Week and they'll find those posts? They will. So Black Botanists, multiple, little like plural botanists week. And then you should be able to find that again on Twitter and on Instagram. So it was this week, first annual. I want all of you to just love all those posts, follow that hashtag, because I want this to be an annual thing. Again, I did not create this, but since I've seen it as a black botanist, I'm like, let's go. Let's do this every week of July or every week of, yeah, let's do it every week of July. Let's do it. And let's do it every year. So I'm excited. And I just want y'all to see that excitement and to see the diversity that exists in that plant field. Yes. Yeah, I saw something, you know, Country Gentleman Cooks. You know him? I have, I, I should meet him eventually because yeah. I met Sandy Chronic and she knows him. Cool. I've been following him for a while. So eventually I hope we run into each other. Yes. Well, I just noticed I saw one of his videos. He has a lot of great videos as well. And he was saying Black Botanist Month. I was like, all right, let's do it. So, um, yeah, but definitely look up the hashtag Black Botanist Week. And mm-hmm. I'll put that in the blog as well. So, is there anything else that you want to share before we move on to sodas? Hmm. I think I'm I think I'm good with that. They can definitely jump to the sodas. Sweet. All right. Well, I just wanna put in another little plug, say thanks to patrons on Patreon. If you want to support this podcast, please go to patreon.com slash the wander school and you'll get the recording of the bonus interview that Derek and I are gonna do on Urban Victory Gardens. So thank you to all of you patrons as well. And let's talk about herbal sodas and ginger beer. Yes, yes, let's do it. So I'm so curious, how did you get into this? So, at the job I have, I work at a company called Metacago and RTP. I ended up running into or meeting a coworker who is big into the herbs. Like she is fantastically herbal centric. A couple of coworkers I used to be there were. So these three ladies were going to make a woman centered soda business. And when she was telling me about how she was going to do the sodas, it intrigued me. She was like, you can do it. You just go and make a ginger bug. I was like, a ginger bug? Like roaches? What are you talking about? <laughs> but <laughs> but she, she informed me that it wasn't roaches. So I ended up going to Auntie Google, as my buddy Cola says, Cola Black in the Garden. And I swear to you, I, um, it changed my world. So now I, I started off just following recipes, and now I just make my own. That is awesome. I personally love herbal sodas as well and need to make more of them. I've been playing around with some Jun. So I started with kombucha and then Jun. 
and I made some mimosa flower soda last year, which was so delicious. You have to give me your recipe because I'm trying <laughs> to get <some> mimosas. <laughs> so good. Um, so what are your, so, I mean, obviously ginger beer, and we're not talking about alcohol here. We're talking about like a, a ginger ale or kind of like a root beer, but what are some of your other favorite plants to make soda with? So ginger in general, I love. I love mint, lemongrass. I have done a tea with that because I've made teas and stuff before. So the jump to the sodas wasn't that difficult. I love mint. I love cinnamon. I make an apple soda that will make you want to kick somebody in the chest. And <laughs> I make my own apple juice. I start off with apples and I end up with apple juice and I turn that into an apple soda. So wow. I am able to just do the full gamut of stuff. So there's a lot of different flavors I've enjoyed. I've made a soda, a beet soda actually one time. And I sweetened it up. I started it off as a juice for some coworkers and they were like, I don't even taste the beets. And (laughs) it was fantastic. So there's a lot of different flavors that I do play with. And it just depends on how I'm feeling. I've done things with hemp. I've done things with all types of mints again. And I'm trying to, again, expand out deeper into other herbs and other teas that I just drink, but I just haven't fermented yet. Mm-hmm. And the recipe for the ginger beer will be in the blog at thewanderschool.com. But can you just give us kind of an abridged version of how you make either ginger beer or soda? Because I imagine there's a lot of similarities between them. There is, there is. So to start off, we're going to try to do a hot take of this. So whenever you're doing an herbal soda, you are trying to get carbonation and you're not using a machine to do so. So you're making a tea and then in essence fermenting that tea using a yeast, a probiotic yeast that will eat that sugar of that tea and then basically, you know, toot out of its other end carbon dioxide. That carbon dioxide, in, once you have it in a bottle especially, is what gives you that bubbly fizziness and usually use some type of citrus like a lemon or lime to give you that bite like a soda would have, right? So that's where your acid part is coming in. So that's the very basic chemistry of the soda part. So generally you have a starter. Your starter is something like a ginger bug. A ginger bug is just sugar, water, and ginger shredded up or cut up or diced up. And you can just let that sit on your countertop covered with like a pantyhose or cheesecloth or flower cloth sacks to keep the insects out. And that again helps you to grow your yeast starter that we need for the soda. The way that you typically would make a soda is by making any type of herbal tea or any tea that you would typically make, whether it's a juice that you get, you can use juices or again teas. So you can go to the store and buy your Tropicana You can make your own fresh squeezed juice. Again, I make my own apple juice for some of my sodas. Or you go out, I clip my own fresh mint, orange mint, apple mint, whoever mint. And I give myself encouragement as I'm doing it. (laughs) I'm so silly. And I just brew away. Now, the kicker that a lot of people don't truly get is because you're trying to get that carbonation, you need your, your place, wherever you're brewing at, in order to stay. It needs to be a nice temperature. It needs to be warm. So warm means 75 degrees Fahrenheit and up. The quicker or you, you want your brew to grow is the hotter 
below 100 degrees, you want your container wherever you're fermenting to be because during the winter months, the soda can take me a couple of weeks to really get a good carbonation going. But during the summer, I can have things done in two days. Nice. Because I walk out of the house, I cut the AC off. It's 80 mm. degrees all day. Yeah. And then I come home, cut the AC on, and then everything's bubbling. So it's, it's amazing. So you're making this living drink. And again, you could take two pounds of ginger, you put a lot of ginger in your ginger beer. You put some sugar in there. You put it over a hot stove. Brew it low and slow is what I typically do. And then bingo bongo, you're done. You have your ginger tea. You taste it. It tastes super gingery. Should be burning the back of your throat so much ginger. You put it in a closed container and let it ferment. That's it. Easy peasy. Super simple. Yes. And so besides being delicious and refreshing, uh, what are the other benefits of wild sodas or herbal sodas? These wild or herbal sodas are also known. So they're, they're refreshing. There's certain, you know, and I always put an asterisk on medicinal, but there's certain medicinal benefits or certain benefits allegedly that plants give. I'm ethnobotic, so I believe in it. But I don't want the people to be like, he gave me medical advice and now I'm tore up. So there's certain benefits that the plants are purported to give. So when I'm having certain digestive issues, then I may use ginger for my own personal sake. If I am feeling like, "Mm," like my body's hurting or I'm aching, then there are different things I could use like hemp or mint that can again alleviate the pain in my experience. There's a drink I made recently that would basically work to knock out insomnia because you can't be up all night if you pass out after 30 minutes of drinking this drink. Like you, it's impossible. So yeah. there's those benefits. And then finally, because the yeast is probiotic in a similar way to the yogurt that we eat, that yeast also serves to help the digestive system. So it, it's bubbly, it's refreshing. And again, depending on how much sugar you put in and how long you brew, you can basically brew out a lot of your sugar and have it be less of a sugar content than a typical soda. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So it's, I just feel like it's all around amazing. Again, delicious, refreshing probiotics are amazing. We all need them. They're doing just crazy research right now showing everyday probiotics have more benefits than we ever knew about. Um, So like, you know, gut health is related to brain health and whole body health. Super important. And then like you said, you're getting the benefits of each specific plant as well. So that herbal medicine there, it's good, good stuff. And you're not going to, get cavities from it unless maybe you drink it all day long <laughs> yeah you know because I, I definitely make mine sweeter because again i do i still want sugar because i love sugar yeah. but you can again brew it in a way where you can cut your sugar down and add a little more honey honey is more it's not impossible it's more difficult for the yeast to break down mm-hmm. it takes a while longer so that can help you to kind of keep your sweetness down for those people who may be suffering from some type of diabetes or trying to watch their sugar intake. Yes, definitely. 
Man, I'm so excited to see your recipe and make it. I'm so psyched. I love ginger beer. So I cannot wait to do that. And thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's great timing with lots of folks home and it being summer. There's lots of things that we can just grab out of our garden and ferment. So and wild, like I like to talk about, and lots of things mm -hmm. we can forage, like those mimosa blossoms and wild mint or I love bee balm. Um things like that. So lots yes. of options for there sure. Are. There are I've used before that was beautiful oh yeah so thanks again for sharing that um is there anything else that you feel like is important that you want to share with us before we go so um we've talked about a lot of different things that may offend some people's sensibilities and i do understand in this time of the pandemic there are a lot of people who are becoming more than allies and they are transcending that role and going into co-conspirate or ally blah blah let's start over let's start over <sighs> during this time there are a lot of things that you may have heard during this podcast that may offend some of your sensibilities those of you who have listened through and have tried to have an open mind i am appreciative of that there are some people who have decided to transcend allyship and go into a accomplice or co-conspirator role which is more active in fighting the scourge of racism i think again those people who are being active in the community and who are helping to amplify black and brown voices to help the black indigenous people of color across this united states and across the world again please take into account when you walk into an area an arena when you use an herb the origins of it the peoples who learned how to use it and how to give back to those descendants to to benefit them in this time because all of us need help more than ever yes thank you and i think i'm going to leave that little piece in and not edit it out uh where you had to start over again because i just want to remind people that this is hard it's hard for everyone. We're doing the hard work. Those of us who are in the arena, you know, and yeah, it's hard. People are getting offended. People are becoming super sensitive and I think it's good. You know, I think that in some ways it's good um, because we all need to be reassessing right now reassessing our word choices reassessing our actions and really thinking about how we can do more and help more and be more of service and like you said amplify black and brown voices so important right now there's a big opportunity y'all so please take it that's what i want to say you know and that's why I wanted to have you here. So I just appreciate you so much, Derek. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And happy belated 30th birthday. Thank you so much. It was awesome. 
can't believe this guy is 30 years old and he's so knowledgeable and doing all this great stuff. I'm just so impressed with you. So thank you for doing the good work in the world. And we're going to have to hang out sometime and share all of our herbal goodies. Mm, we definitely will. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, and thanks to all of y'all for listening. Please, if you like what you heard, please like, subscribe to this podcast and leave comments. I love hearing your comments. And also, if you like what you heard, one, support Derek with those Venmo and Cash apps. Can you say those again for us real quick? I sure can. So H-A-Y-N is in Nancy, E-S, 9-0, Haynes 90. And again, for Cash App, it's that Haynes 90, just with a dollar sign in front of it. Sweet. And then check out Derek the Crazy Botanist at botanical.highlander on Instagram as well. And then you can follow him and like his videos and share his videos. And of course, all of the other Black botanists and Black folks to amplify their voices. So... Again, if you want to support the podcast and making the podcast possible, patreon.com slash the wander school. Thanks patrons. And if you do, you'll get to catch our interview that we're just about to do on how to have your own victory garden, especially how to make your own urban victory garden. So thanks y'all. Happy foraging. And until next time, I will see you online. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wander, Forage, and Wildcraft. Don't forget to check the show notes for all of the links from today's episode. Thanks so much to Tina and her pony for the use of their beautiful song, Medicine. I love hearing from all of you, so please leave me your comments. And if you like what you've heard, Please rate and review this podcast and share with folks you know. You can keep learning and following my adventures on thewanderschool.com and the Wanderschool Facebook and Instagram pages. Happy wandering, foraging, and wildcrafting. Come on, everyone, and gather around. Listen to the soothing in this sound. Here to tell you that medicine Don't come from a pill, it grows in the ground The medicine